Today is Thursday, March 30th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. More details are coming in from Nashville. The head of the school died protecting her students. Incredible story of heroism. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe. Go ahead and leave a rating if you think of it. Share it with a friend. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now to get through the news of the Cray, as always, Billy Hallowell. Trey's still on assignment. Billy, what's going on? Happy Friday, Junior. Happy Friday, Junior. We, we're almost there. We've made it through the week, almost. Getting there. Getting there. Almost. It's, weeks like this are so tough. I mean, when you have such a devastating news story that's grabbing the news cycle, it's, it's, and we're going through all the details and pulling out the parts that we think are most important for you to know. And it's it's just taxing, man. And you can, and that's just reading it. So then, when I think about what these families are going through, it's it's overwhelming at times, to be honest. It is, it is, it's it's awful, you know, when you read through these details constantly, and you and you see what happened, and it just reminds you of how fragile life is, and how important it is for us to just, you know, know the Lord. You know, it's just yeah, it's tough. Yeah, and you're going to be talking about that detail that I just mentioned at the top. Incredible incredible stuff coming out on on how this at least this one teacher spent the last few moments of her life protecting her students yeah you know see and and it's a story that really it just it shows you real life heroes and how would you behave when you're pressed up against the wall when you're at and so yeah we're going to talk about what she what she did for those kids incredible stuff get the details there in a minute from billy also on the main thing billy and i caught up with evan todd who survived columbine He has a lot of thoughts on school safety and these shootings, and he shared them with us. So we'll bring that to you on the main thing coming up in a few minutes. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Press Secretary for Arizona Democratic Governor Katie Hobbs resigned yesterday after appearing to suggest gun violence against, quote unquote, transphobes. She posted this on Twitter just hours after the shooting in Nashville, the press secretary, Jocelyn Berry, tweeted, us when we see transphobes, and it's a picture of a woman from a film with two guns aiming the guns. So she resigned. That was Jocelyn Berry yesterday. Administrators at a Wisconsin elementary school stopped a first grade class from performing a Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton duet promoting LGBTQ ideology because the song, quote, could be perceived as controversial. And the Tennessee State Senate unanimously voted earlier this week to add In God We Trust to the state seal. The measure has now been sent to the House's state government committee. Local TV is reporting that State Senator Rusty Crow and State Representative John Holsclaw introduced Senate Bill 0420 and House Bill 0771, respectively. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Billy, I wanted to take a few minutes here to talk about some of these stories, particularly this press secretary from the, the office of Katie Hobbs. Twitter, nothing good comes from Twitter is kind of my theory. If I If I had to write a... I don't know, a thesis statement, you know, if I was in school and I had to write something, I think I would go nothing good happens from Twitter. You're better off just not being on it. This person just lost their job from tweeting 
this seems to happen more times than not. You just people trying to get clicks, trying to get reach, trying to get whatever, and they end up losing their job. Yeah, well, there's there's also like this big faction of people. They look at social media and they say Twitter isn't bad in itself. It just exposes what's in your heart. And you can sense from my voice there that I don't necessarily (laughs) agree with that. Um, I do think that, yeah, you know, social media exposes what's in our heart. But I think because it incentivizes you to say crazier things or things that are going to get those likes and that attention, that it actually can worsen who you are and the way that you behave. Right. Like People wouldn't say or do these things. To, to other people's faces that they will do on Twitter. And so I think there's a real element to it that actually is all of social media can be far more sinister than, oh, it's just exposing what's in what's in my heart. But the other thing is how how much like what lack of self-awareness do people have that they would share this sort of thing in general, right? Like yeah. in general, considering where we are, you have to think before you speak, think before you tweet. If James were around when you know, Twitter were, if Twitter were around when James was around, he would have definitely put that in. Don't ignite a fire with your tweet, mm-hmm. right? It would have had to have been in scripture. Yeah, it would have had to be scripture. Absolutely. Because Twitter is not real life. And I think that's why we see so many of these ill-advised tweets go out there. And look, I'm probably guilty of the same thing at some point or another, which is one reason why I have I would say wisely selected the self-destruct button on my tweets after two weeks. Uh, But I I mean, I'm not controversial on Twitter. I don't try to be anyway. So, but I just feel like, yeah, just delete those. So inevitably when the mob takes their turn and comes, it's it's going to happen, by the way. I I don't know when it'll happen, but at some point the mob will come for you. Just brace yourself. They'll come and then they'll be digging through your old tweets and when they're looking for mine, they're not going to find anything because all mine get deleted after two weeks. So we're going to find a lot of tweets about me talking about what meal I had because that's how I started. On <laughs> right. I know I, a lot of my hot sports takes because I seem to only want to comment on like basketball games or something. So, yeah, it's uh, overall, I mean, Twitter for, for whatever positives it has, I really do feel like my personal opinion that the negatives vastly outweigh it both. Agreed. Both culturally and personally. It's going to harm you either way. So, all right, we're going to head into our next story now. And we're going to talk about that leader at the school who lost her life during the Nashville shooting. Now she's being hailed as a hero. What did she do, Billy? Yeah, you know, this is one of those stories that just tugs at your heartstrings. She was one of the six people killed at the school. Remember, there were three adults, three children. Dr. Catherine Kuntz, she was the head of school at the Covenant School. Again, among the three adults who were murdered, she was at her desk, from what we know, on a Zoom call, on a meeting when the shots rang out at 10.13 a.m. on Monday. And she apparently immediately got off the meeting. She didn't go and hide. She didn't run away. She apparently headed straight for the shooter. We don't know exactly what happened between them, but we know that she ran toward danger. That's according to Nashville City Councilman Russ Pulley, who has been speaking out about this. Um, he He's the one who told the story about her being in the meeting. They actually found her um, later on, and where they found her led them to believe that she had confronted um, or gone right toward the danger. Uh, and so, you know, just really really a shocking thing. And, you know, you think about this is a person charged with these children in charge of that school. She could have done 20 different things once she heard those shots and she apparently went and walked right toward the danger. Yeah. And a lot of people too are saying, Billy, and we'll, we'll talk about this, but the preparations that, that she had done, they, this school was 
pretty prepared for a, an active shooter situation. And so they say that lives were saved because a lot of lives may have been saved because they acted quickly and the kids got rushed to safety pretty quickly. Um, obviously, tragically, three did die and three adults that were there did die as well. So obviously not a perfect response, but at least some were saved because of these preparations. But why is it important, do you think, to highlight the pre-event training element of this case? Yeah, because that's the thing. You, you go back to Uvalde, you go back to these other events that we've seen, or before we had to really think about these things as much, where schools were not prepared. You know, you make a decision as a school leader, and from what we know, Dr. Kuntz made the decision to to be prepared, to make mm -hmm. sure that her school, you know, according to, to Russ Pauley, that councilman, he said she did what principals and headmasters do. She protected her children. She prepared the school by seeking advanced level active shooter training. And from witnesses at the scene, this protocol, details of which I cannot provide, so there's some elements, by the way, of this protocol that are not public, what she ended up doing, yeah. saved countless lives. So it's, it's essential because it's the difference of, you don't want to lose anybody in a situation like this, but it's the difference of losing six people versus 12 people, six people versus 20 people, getting those kids out to safety, making sure people knew what to do. We saw this with the police, right? When we looked at their footage of them going through the school, everyone seemed very prepared, mm -hmm. very ready for this. And that is the key to minimizing damage when something horrific like this unfolds. Yeah, they really did look prepared and calm. That, that was remarkable. I mean, to have what was going on there, I mean, that's got to be the furthest thing from your mind when you're heading into your day as a teacher, an administrator, the custodian at the school, having to deal with that and to see the calmness that some of these teachers had that were on the on the body cam footage from the officers. It's it's really remarkable, really commendable. What did um, what did her pastor say about this? Uh, the head of the school? Yeah, so she went to West End Community Church, the pastor's John Burgoyne, and, or Burgoyne, and he basically said, look, she gave her life in defense of the children mm -hmm. under her care. And so we don't know all those details, but what we do know is numerous people are telling us that she went toward the danger, she gave her life. You know, we don't know if that was distracting the shooter, if whatever she was doing was trying to stop the shooter. But yeah. the reality is this is somebody who selflessly not only prepared her school, but according to her pastor, gave her own life in defense of the children in her care. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a tragic end for her, but we can look back and we can really herald the steps that she took to make sure they were, that as many kids were safe as possible. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Obviously very tragic. Our hearts go out to this community and their families. But, you know, if you're going to go out in a situation like this, you want to do it protecting other people. And um, she, she did the honorable thing. And you know the Lord's going to reward her for that. So um, she's in the arms of Jesus right now. And that's, I know, what uh, the pastor of the young girl said as well. And that is the hope we have as Christians in these situations, that as horrible as this is, that we have that eternal hope. We know they're in a better place. That's why we place our faith and trust in Christ. Because of that eternal hope, we know what's on the other side. And again, as as terrible as this is, we know that that this isn't the end, right? That the suffering we experience on earth isn't the end. And that's that's how we can get through things. And so kudos to this to this woman for uh, doing the hard but the right thing. So appreciate you bringing the details on that one, Billy. We're going to head on to the main thing right now, and it's not too far removed topic-wise. We, we caught up with Evan Todd, who survived 
really the first major school shooting over 20 years ago at Columbine when that shocked the country. That whole scene as uh, those two gunmen went ramp, uh, rampaging through that school, just traumatizing so many more. Evan Todd was one of those who had those guns pointed at his head and they didn't shoot and he was he was spared. So we got his perspective on school safety, thoughts and prayers, and a whole lot more. And that's today's main thing. What is going through your mind and your heart every time you turn on a TV and see that another event like this is unfolded? It's heartbreaking, you know, because uh, I can, I can, I know what's going through those families' minds and going through the, the students that were involved. Um, I know what that it brings those feelings back, and it it breaks my heart that that people have to experience that kind of uh, the pain and and kind of the uncertainty. So it it and then there are aspects of it because of uh, the time that has passed and the thought that I put into it that's infuriating that uh, we don't have more uh, school safety measures in place at every single school uh, that we're not really addressing mental health issues or. Uh, even our education system that I think is uh, perpetuating this kind of, these kinds of problems. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and you bring up the school safety issue and you know, judging by the looks of it as an outsider, there's a couple things here. One, the police chief did say that um, the, the shooter in this case looked at a couple different targets and ended up settling on this school because they thought there'd be less resistance there. There was more security at the other school. Uh, and that said, this school had protocols in place and it looks like the doors were locked, but she shot her way in through the windows and they did a good job uh, of evacuating the kids out. Obviously, it wasn't enough as you had um, three kids die and three other um, adults die as well, very tragically. Uh, but even when they did a pretty good job, it's it's just tough. Well, and, and that's the, the, the most infuriating part when I look at these is most of the uh, protocols that are in place right now, they completely ignore the two biggest factors that we need to address. And that's one, a armed presence to immediately deal with the threat, and then two, a medical response if something like this happens. Both of those things can save lives, and most of the major you know safety protocols, standard uh, response protocols ignore those two main facts. You know, the first thing that that people do when someone comes into the school uh, and is shooting and trying to kill people, the first thing they do is call for law enforcement. They call for people with guns to come stop it. Mm. You know, and so why are we waiting, you know, seven, 10, 15 minutes for police to respond when we can have either armed security, armed teachers, armed staff, uh, or, you know, a Marshall program, there's a lot of ways, but we need to have an armed presence in our school. It's not a, it's not a, a political debate or divide. It's not over the gun. We need to protect our schools. If people want to have other political debates, that's fine. But, you know, ask these, you know, the Democrat and the Republican, even some of the, that are pushing for gun control measures, ask them how their children are protected in schools. And they will tell you they're protected with guns. Every child should be and every school and every community should be protected every single day. I want to shift here, Evan, and get your take on the media reaction because it seems pretty instantaneously you start to see almost um, this narrative of, well, her parents rejected her identity and kind of this 
kind of giving a reason for why she may have done this. What's your take on all that? Yeah, it's frustrating to see this narrative that's been pushed really since Columbine, since 1999. Um, you know, back when the two murderers did what they did at Columbine, the media uh, basically said, well, they were picked on. And that was the narrative that that went forward. And society um, perpetuated this fact, and it made uh, murder second to bullying. And that really, I think, is is one of the things that's perpetuated this problem. People think, oh, if I'm picked on, if I don't, if people don't, um, you know, and, and I'm not surprised to see our current state of affairs in, well, in the world. You know, people are saying, if you don't use my pronouns, then you're hateful or this and that. People are so concerned with how other people treat them that we're not focused anymore on how we, you know, should treat other people. They want you to treat them a certain way or else they'll use violence. Um, and that's unacceptable. That whole narrative needs to be shot down by society. You know, the LGBTQ community, they should be coming out and saying this act is disgusting and despicable. There is no justification to murder innocent people. It doesn't matter what these people's ideologies are or what group they were part of. We need that united front, whether that's the media, whether that's the churches, whether that's the schools, people coming out and saying how disgusting and despicable this kind of act is. And it infuriates me that that there are people who think that this violence, there's there's justification because maybe some words were used or maybe someone didn't accept them in their life. Um, and as as hurtful as that is, um, it, there's no no uh, no reason to murder innocent people. You know, one of the things that happens in these instances, and you know this all too well, is about five minutes after news breaks that a horrific shooting has happened, people are on Twitter, they're on Facebook, they're all over the place, and they're saying, we need gun control now. Enough of your thoughts and prayers. We need action. I mean, this is almost like a blueprint every time one of these events happens. What do you make of that, and what is it like for you? Again, look, you went through Columbine. A lot of other people did, too different opinions and perspectives on this issue, but why do you think the go-to is immediately we need gun control now before we even really have details on what's happened? Well, I honestly believe that there is a nefarious political ideology that pushes that agenda. And I think there are people who um, are either useful idiots that, that promote it. And so that's what they go to. Or I think there's people who, um, who actually believe that gun control will solve the issue. And I think in all cases, they're wrong. Um, but it hijacks the, situ- the, the conversation from actually talking about things that will protect our children, like the, the school safety measures or, or even, you know, the mental health aspect of it. Um, unfortunately, that gets pushed aside every single time. You know, every, I, I, I don't know of a mass murderer who wasn't on some kind of uh, psychotropic SSRI, you know, pharmaceutical type drug. Um, there's a lot of other issues that we can talk about a lot, of, uh, almost every single one of these, you know, and another thing is we don't talk about our, our education system. Um, you know, every single one of these murderers is basically been raised by government schools. And ever since the 1960s and seventies, when they took God out of schools, that there is a, a wide gaping gap of morals and um, 
and and there's no direction in school. Everything goes, and every generation we step, we continue down. The school system gets worse and worse. What with what they uh, promote and celebrate, and so I think there's a lot of you know it's a spiritual warfare, but I think there's a lot of um, um, tangible things that we can do. And I will say this real quick on on the thoughts and prayers. I will tell you to keep praying because it was the prayers of people um, praying for our community and us that really helped me through those times. It was praying that helped me. And I've seen so many prayers answered. Um, you know, I think of all the teachers that are carrying armed today. Those are prayers that I prayed. I never wanted anyone to go through this again. And I see these people um, learning a new skill, learning firearms, um, learning ways to, to uh, um, eliminate threats and medical treatment. Those are prayers answered of things that I was praying for. So keep praying for the safety and security of our schools. And I think one day we will get there and pray for people to help them through these struggling times because it, I've seen it happen and I've seen it work. And you can check out our full interview with Evan Todd on this week's episode of Faith Versus Culture. Just head on over to cbnnews.com for details. All right. And Billy, I mean, fascinating conversation there with Evan Todd. I mean, that's just, I mean, he went through, I mean, one of the more shocking events in American history. He did. One of, one of the events that unfortunately has traumatized a generation and kind of it, it's the focal point we always turn back to when we talk about these these things, sadly. Yeah, it is. But uh, but nevertheless, interesting conversation. Appreciate Evan stopping by. Uh, but we're going to have time for one last thing here. And I want to take a look at 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 and 2. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent here we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. And so that is kind of what I was talking about, Billy, our, our hope beyond the grave here, that, that there is hurt and pain and suffering here, but we have that hope that um, we have a house made in heaven for us um, to dwell with God where there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more pain. Yeah, and and that's our hope, and, and it's the hope I, I really am hopeful that people are resting in right now in Nashville and, and all the others who have, who have survived these horrific events that they just remember that promise, and that we all remember it when we face difficulties in life because it's it's the eternal promise, right? That yep. gives us peace. Absolutely. So definitely continue to pray. Keep praying for everyone there in Nashville that's dealing with this horrific, horrific uh, tragedy, this horrific, heinous act, really. So definitely, as Evan said, those prayers really carried him through. So continue, continue praying. So that's all the time we have on this Friday, Junior, for the podcast today. As always, Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.